What up, what up, what up? Welcome back to Sam Dunks, the weekly NBA show over at Slab Stocks. I'm your host, Sam. Today, I have an interview for you with Jonathan Sharks of The Ringer, big basketball nerd over here. So, of course, I was extremely excited to interview him. We talked 2020 rookie class. Hopefully, I have a ton of good information for you. Of course, we didn't get to the LaMelo ball injury because it hadn't happened yet when we did the interview, but we have a ton of other good stuff for you. So, uh, hope you enjoy. It is Wednesday, March 17th. I'm being joined by Jonathan Charks. Uh, you might know him from The Ringer. Uh, if you haven't read his stuff, I don't know why you're watching my show, so you should uh, go over to The Ringer. Uh, he's always pumping out articles. He's got shows with Kevin O'Connor, um, Chris Vernon, and a bunch of other guys that he's putting out, Bill Simmons. So uh, go check out his stuff. Uh, extremely in the know in the, in the ongoing uh, basketball landscape. Uh, Mr. Charks, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for having me on. Yeah, thank you. It's a, it's a pleasure and an honor to, to have you join us. So we are talking 2020 NBA draft class today. Uh, everyone who's watching this is aware that hopefully over the next couple of weeks, we should be having the, the Prism, you know, Prism Retail be dropping. You know, currently, I think it says March 31st, we should drop. Of course, when that happens, there's going to be just like a mad rush in to try and, you know, snatch up cars. I don't know anything about, like, I'm curious about this. What did, what did you just say? Like, I don't know what that just meant. Yeah, I was talking for the viewer. Now I'm talking for you. So yeah, so there's different sets, and like I just opened up. This is called NBA Hoops. Okay. I just opened this up the other day. It's like a, a papery material. You know, it's yeah. not chrome or anything like that. It's considered like a lower down uh, brand of card. But all the different brands, they're all owned by one parent company called Panini. As far as basketball card goes, and then I always think about the sandwich when I hear that. But so they yeah. have like a loose deal with the NBA to put out cards, and they control yep. the market. Okay. okay. Yep. So they so they end up printing out different sets as the year goes on. We all anticipate them coming out when they drop. It's like Target and Walmart. Their shelves are like stripped bare the second they go oh. out. I didn't realize it was that big. That's crazy. It's crazy. It's getting bigger and bigger every day. And now that now that athletes and everything else are getting in, it's like. It's we're in the wild, wild west, west right now. It's like it's oh, you know what's funny. My pastor's son is really into this. I was talking the other day about it. Like he's yeah. like twelve and he's like obsessed with these cards. So it is. Oh, yeah. Tell him, tell him to check out slab stocks. I will. Okay, I'll I'll do that. All right, sweet. So yeah, so there's a there's a new uh, release coming out. Hopefully in the next couple of weeks. It's called Prism. It's kind of like the gold standard for the uh, basketball card community at the moment. Like you know, it's right. like the closest we have to a, a stock. Where there's a lot of them available, they're good quality. You buy and sell, sell them so you can like track the value in price increases as time goes on. So this is like the biggest one of the year, the one that's going to drop soon. Pretty much, yeah, pretty much. In, in some circles, yeah, I'd say in most circles it is. So that's coming out. The most valuable cards generally are like a player's rookie cards. So. Every time there's a new release, you got a whole new slew of rookies to be looking at. And that's why I want to look with you at the uh, 2020 NBA draft um, and, and evaluate from your perspective as a guy, you know, this is your livelihood is evaluating uh, basketball players and everything else, you know, what you've seen. So I wanted to just start out with the guy that's, you know, the Ashu and rookie of the year, I, I reckon. 
uh, LaMelo Ball of the Charlotte Hornets. You know, like as far as like pre-draft questions and then like the answers that he's already given us just this early in his career, it's like just an astounding difference in my mind. Uh, what's been your assessment of how he's shown up so far and have you been surprised like that? Yes. I mean, he's been incredible. It's the big thing for me was the three point shooting. He was a very inconsistent shooter pretty much his whole career, but looking back on it, his whole career was inconsistent. He played 13 games in Australia, which is very small sample. And then he played like in his dad's league, he played in Lithuania, he played in like random prep schools. So there was, it was really hard to get a grasp. That's the with shooting. Shooting is so idiosyncratic sometimes that, because the metal doesn't necessarily have textbook form. So there are a lot of questions about his shot. And let me look at the numbers. Like he's been shooting almost, yeah, 38% from three on a health number of attempts. And that's just totally changed his game. Like my perception of it, the fact that he can knock down threes off the dribble means easier for him to get into the length. He have to guard on the perimeter. He can play off other players. That's the other big thing is he's a really good spot up shooter. So he can play off Gordon Hayward, Devontae Graham, um, Terry Rozier, all these guys in Charlotte. He can play on or off the ball. Yep. And he's an incredible playmaker. He's obviously huge for a point guard. He's surpassed any expectations. And I think he's going to be one of the best players in the league for a long time. Well, that's, you know, it's that playmaking from such an early age that's just, you know, so rare to be able to just see the court and, and make make things happen like that. Yeah, at that size, too. That's yeah. the main thing. It's what is that, 6'8 or whatever it is? It's just yeah. – uh, yeah, you know, and going bouncing from Lithuania to to New Zealand or where you know all those different places, it was like it was always just a Lamelo showcase. So it wasn't really like, you know, it wasn't like a team structure. Yeah, not really. Yeah. And so for him to finally all of a sudden get NBA teammates, it's it's good to see him, uh, you know, just kind of mesh himself in with a team and and actually make his teammates better. Uh, you said he's you said going to be one of the best players in the league. What's his What's his peak in your mind? Oh, uh, I mean, I could see him being like all-star point guard, all NBA point guard, franchise player. I mean, it's the sky's the limit. He's really, really good. I think the big thing for him going forward will be getting stronger. He's still pretty skinny. He needs yeah. to put on weight so he can finish at the rim, kind of just use that muscle. He's not the fastest guy in the world, so I think strength will help him get yeah. to his spots and shoot over guys. But yeah, I mean. I don't, I don't know if he'll be like an MVP level player. I don't know if he scores well enough, but I, I could see him being like a seven, eight time all-star easily. That kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. You know, there's so much like talk about speed and athleticism going into the drafts and like, you know, Luka Doncic, you know, he was dinged for that, but he's yeah. like so strong that he can just move to whatever spot he wants, regardless yeah. of being guys. He's got like 40 pounds on the metal. He's free. Luka's huge. Right. Yeah. Well, that's your guy. Cause you're a, you're a Dallas fan, aren't yeah. you? Um, can you rank the following in future potential? Okay. Lamella Ball, John Morant, Trey Young, Shea Gilgis Alexander. Okay, so I'm gonna reveal my bias here. I'm always biased to the bigger players. Like I'm, so I'm gonna say I think Shea's awesome too. I mean, I would say clearly I would put Lamelo and Shea above John Trey, and then I think I think because Trey's a better shooter, that has more long-term value than Ja. But I would say it's pretty clear to me those are two different tiers. Really, it's different types of players. When you're talking about a 6'6", 6'7", point guard versus six foot six one point guard, it's just a different kind of player. And I'm always going to value the bigger, stronger players over long enough periods of time. 
Yeah. No, yeah. Well, you know, the long period of time, you know, honestly, in sports cards, it's like some guy you have you you can hitch your uh maybe even your retirement to some of these cards uh for like the goats, you know, LeBron and, and MJ yeah. and Kobe and stuff like that. So a lot of these guys, you're looking at like a four or five year window of relevance. So I'm like John Morant, since his game is kind of predicated on athleticism and get into the hole and you know we see a guy like russell westbrook right now that it's really kind of fallen off in recent years even though he's only like 30 what is he 32 yeah so it's like you know the window's short but yeah well cool i'm glad you uh, put shea up there with uh lamello because i talk a lot about him and i feel like people get tired of that and they're like yeah you're just i'm, I'm here for all the pro shea propaganda he's he's fantastic sweet uh, another point guard, not also not super fast. Tyrese Halliburton went mm -hmm. uh, 12th, 12th. Yeah, 12th to the Kings. Yeah. And uh, before the draft, I was like wondering what this guy's weaknesses were, why he'd be falling out of the top 10. And I guess maybe it is just a, like a lack of explosion or like he's not, he's maybe not like a high, high level guy. But as a rookie, he's he's done like, everything right you know he shoots efficiently he's, he's a good playmaker for his teammates you know low turnovers uh meshes well with the Aaron fox and that team you know what do you see coming for tyrese halliburton here in the in the short term and in the long term i've always been a big tyrese guy i mean i think he's great he actually plays a little like Lamelo in terms of having the size as a playmaker being a really good but unconventional shooter he's actually probably better to, he's a better defender um I think that this is the perfect spot for him in Sacramento playing off like a, cause the knock on Tyrese, if there was a knock, well, one of them was just that, can he run the offense and be a primary option? Right. But he doesn't do that in Sacramento. He's playing off the air and Fox. And that's where I think where his value comes in as like a secondary guy. Cause he's provides so much value with like limited opportunities, right? Cause like most players in the NBA need the ball. Tyrese doesn't really, he can still dominate a game of really holding the ball too much. And that's a very valuable skill. Right. I, I think he's great too. I think he'll have a great career. I think he was probably the best value pick in the draft being at number 12 to Sacramento. That was fantastic for them. Yeah. Awesome value. And a number of the teams that went ahead of them that probably wish they had him instead by now. Yeah. <laughs> this is one of my frustrations in the card community where, where I differ from the majority where, you know, I really appreciate a secondary guy that does a lot of things, right. You know, I'm a Bucks fan. So, one of my favorite players is Chris Middleton. And I just had a show the other week where I was a lot of tongue in cheek, like, you know, talking about how good he was. I mean, he is really good, but it's like, no one cares, you know, mostly about those secondary guys. Is there anything that Halliburton can do to separate himself as like a, not a star, but like a really, really high level player and not just a, not just a complimentary player. Well, I mean, it just depends, right? Like, Chris Middleton is, gets what twenty a game? Is that right. complimentary? Like, what are we def where are we drawing the line between complimentary? I could see Tyrese getting a twenty, maybe. He's only on coming off the bench right now and getting twelve. Shoot more threes, gets to the line a little more often. He's just the line more often for sure. Yeah. I'm actually getting the 17, 18 pretty easily. I mean, I don't know that. That's pretty good. So where like where are you kind of defining complimentary versus star? I guess is the question. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I don't know the answer to that. My definitions are a lot different than uh. A lot of the people that end up listening to this, but I love to, I, I love Halliburton and he just has that type of like, you know, doesn't make too many mistakes type of game that that's fun to watch. For sure. A, a guy that is also fun to watch, 
but does make more mistakes. First pick in the draft, Anthony yeah. Edwards. It's like in this, like, you know, this battle between like the nerds and then just like the eye test people, you know, I saw on Twitter however, like a month ago when he had that dunk from the, you know, coming in from the corner and like, and that frustrated me, frustrated me because it was posted all over Twitter. And then you did see a thousand replies like, yeah, but he's inefficient. He's inefficient. And I didn't say that, although I probably would be blamed as saying that, you know, from time to time. Uh, but I know you wrote about him the other day and you're talking about how you see bright things in his future. So in spite of, you know, some of the bad shot selection, some of the inefficiency that we've seen, like, you know, what are you, what's your reasons for optimism with uh, with Anthony Edwards? Well, I mean, I think number one, well, number one, if you're on Twitter, you're going to get frustrated. Like, yeah. that's, like, don't be mad at Twitter. I'd be mad at yourself for being on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I know. Be mad for replying. You're getting the opinions of everyone in the world. Like, you know, what do you expect? Um, as far as Ed, I think number one with Edwards, with these all these rookies, it's very important to evaluate their role on their team, like the context for the stats, right? Like Minnesota – he should not be in this role he's in now, right? That was never the plan. He should be like the fourth option, right? Because Cat, D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, those guys have played together four times all season. Basically, one of those three has always been out. Usually, two of those three are out. Right now, D'Angelo's had knee surgery. Beasley's suspended for his off-court thing last summer. So it's just Cat and, and Towns. I mean, it's just Edwards and Cat. And Edwards needed to be in a smaller structured role where he wasn't asked just jack shots all the time. But because of the lack of talent in Minnesota, all he's doing is jacking shots. So I think, number one, he needs to have been built up into being a number one option. He's kind of been thrust in that role right now, and he's not ready for it. But I think there is a lot of talent there. It's just it has to be refined. Because with Edwards, one, he's very young. He's 19. He's one of the youngest players. So he actually reclassified. He should be a freshman in college this year. Right. That's one. He grew up playing football. He didn't start playing basketball until he was like 15, like seriously. So that's right. two. So then you say, okay, look at his physical tools. Obviously, he's a freak athlete, freaking huge two guard. He's got a good looking shot. He makes some good passes. He seems to know what he's doing on the court when he's not jacking shots. So yeah. I think there's a lot of talent there. It's just a matter of can it be refined within a system? And the hope is next year in Minnesota – there's more of a defined structure for him to excel in a smaller role. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess if, if without the veteran accountability always on the court around him, of course he's going to just end up taking a lot of bad shots because you need to score points to win. So yeah, I, I hope, you know, I really hope that he does. Maybe they draft Cade Cunningham or something like that, bring him in. And then I don't know, things could look good quickly in Minnesota. And I have a lot of friends from Minnesota. So, you know, it's a big lottery. Up teams for sure what's that the big lottery coming up for a lot of teams yeah this goes down yeah uh another guy that was you know another athletic guy uh that has had more of a defined role and more complimentary role is guy that went fourth uh, mm -hmm. patrick williams chicago bulls now like when i think about him it's what still sticks out in my mind is i don't know if it was like back-to-back -back games but earlier in the season where he you know he was the LeBron stopper one game and then like the Kawhi stopper the next game. And afterwards they were both, you know, both those guys were praising uh, Patrick Williams for, for what he did. Uh, I think you're pretty high on Patrick Williams too. Yeah. What, yeah. What do you like about him? Is it like, the, is it the mental intangibles? Is it, you know, being able to step in as an 
he's one of the youngest guys in the league too. He, I think he's 19 too. So, you know, yeah. step in and cover guys like LeBron and Kawhi and Paul George and, or, you know, is it the physical attributes or, you know, what is it about him that, that gets you so giddy? Well, it's really all of the above. So I was actually able to do a big feature on Patrick before the draft and just talking to people around him, high school teammates, high school coaches, AAU, college. And yeah, I mean, A, he's just really, really well-liked in, yeah. in a way you often hear from NBA prospects. He's very, very humble, very intelligent, super hardworking. So just like that is all, that's always encouraging to hear about a player. But in terms of his actual physical tools, yeah, I mean, you're talking about a 6'8", 230-pound wing who can shoot threes. That right there, that combination alone is very unique, and that's the kind of player every team in the NBA needs. I would say the main thing with Patrick, the main thing to watch for him in the next year or two is he seems to be much more comfortable at the four with kind of a, with more wings around him than at the three when yeah. he's playing with Rory Marketing. So I would say, like, Whatever happens with Market in Chicago will probably impact Williams a lot because they both really play the same position. And the Bulls have not been nearly as effective when they're playing together as when they're playing apart. Yeah, they have a lot of pieces that, in my mind, don't fit together super well. And I guess you see that with them not having been super good over the last several years. Well, did you see they, they just benched Kobe White and Wendell Carter? I don't know if you yeah, saw that. Right. Which is sad for me because I was really talking them up in the offseason. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, big time. I think yeah. it's hard. Like, they were starting five players, like, under 25. It's just hard to win that way, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and they were both guys that showed so many flashes in the past. And I and I just give so much benefit of the doubt to Wendell Carter since he was struggling under, you know, Jim Boylan. Yeah. And, you know, just getting totally put out of position on, on both sides of the ball and then – Kobe White, there was just no structure put around him, and there, he was kind of just like go out there and jack up shots. But I, in my mind, they both have the skill to be able to. Yeah, I think they do. I mean, I wouldn't give up on them. It's just a matter of you can't play five young guys and win, right? So yeah. some young guys are going to get the slack. That's always what it comes down to is which ones you're going to pick and build around. And that's what I was talking about with Patrick and Laurie. I think would be the same thing. Yeah. It's just which one will the team value more to complement them versus sticking them in the roles that don't fit their games? Right. Well, I think if they're just looking between those two guys, it's like pretty clear Patrick Williams is the one they're going to want to pitch their wagon to. Hopefully, you know, hopefully they move front office who drafted them. Right. So you would think that. Yeah. Right. They're, they've been kind of slow to make moves in the past, though. So I don't know. We'll see. A uh, couple other guys that I was one that I've been wondering about, you know, a couple names that showed up a lot, you know, pre-draft that were really popular, you know, especially in the card community, even um, like Obi Toppin, Denny Avdia, both of them. Well, I guess Denny Avdia has been getting more minutes, but his role is like one week he's starting getting 30 minutes. The next week he's getting 11 and I can't make any heads or tails of that. And then Obi Toppin, I mean, I guess his, his deal is that he's backing up first time all-star drew, uh, you know, Julius Randall and also, uh, that you know, Julius Randle has like the second most minutes played in the league, or something like that. So I, I understand, but is there a path forward for those guys? I've seen like trade trade rumors for Obi Toppin already, and I mean, I guess that's kind of like Nick's gonna Nick, you know, type of thing. Yeah. There. Is like, where's the path forward? Are they just ruining their their rookie years in those franchises? 
I don't know if ruin it's see it's like what I was saying before about roles. You have to look okay, what are these guys' skill sets? So like Denny. Denny was like a point forward in Israel, MVP of the Israeli league, combo forward, had the ball in his hands a lot. Yeah. And then he goes, not really a great shooter, not really a great defender, but like a ball dominant number one, number two guy. Right. He goes to Washington. Now they got Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook. So he was starting for a while, but it made no sense because when you're playing with Beal and Westbrook, you got to be a good shooter, right? You got to spread the floor for them. The role just didn't really make sense. So now he's pretty much always coming off the bench and he's playing behind like Garrison Matthews because Matthews is a good shooter and he's not. So it's like with Denny, it's like you've got to commit to running the offense through him or making him like a pick and like a, a screener or something. But they've already got a bunch of big men they play. They play, you know, Mo Wagner, Robin Lopez. So it's like there's just not a natural role for him in Washington to be successful. Yeah. And I would think over the long term, I mean, like, it seems like eventually they're going to blow that team up. And then he might take advantage of that when that happens. But it's possible he ends up being traded just because he doesn't really fit with their star players. Same thing with Obi. He was pretty much drawing dead from the start because – so as you look at his, his role in college, he was a small ball five playing for Anthony Grant. Now, he was an NBA coach with Billy Donovan forever, so running an NBA offense, point guard, center, three shooters, spread, pick, and roll, right? So it was Obi Toppin getting lobs, cutting to the rim in space. He's drafted by the Knicks, who have no shooting really, don't run pick and roll very much, and now he's being asked to be a shooter instead of a roll man. Yeah. That's not his game whatsoever. Right. So it just doesn't fit what he does. He's like spotting up in the corner. He has to guard wings after he's being a center in college. He's not really fast enough to do that. Right. It's hard for him to get minutes. I mean, I, it makes sense that he's in trade rumors because he's never really going to have much value for the Knicks with their current personnel and their current system. So right. it wouldn't make sense that he'll eventually be traded. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Yeah. It stinks. You know, there's just so many dudes throughout ever since I started following the draft, you know. 10 years ago or whatever, or more than that. Now, I guess it's like you just get these guys that in college, they look so good and they go to a place where it just doesn't work. It just doesn't fit right. And then, you know, sadly, a lot of times the career just kind of fizzles out from there. I'm, I'm really hoping that the Wizards end up trading Beal and get something for him. And, and obviously, you know, their future is in Russell Westbrook. And I mean, I don't know. It might be like the Luka Doncic effect, you know, on the perceptions of Avdia coming into the draft. I think probably that has a lot to do with it. But uh, I'd always rather see what, you know, something new than something that's, you know, old that, you know, that we often see with. Uh, I always want the shiny new object. <laughs> yeah. That's the sports card investment game. It's always about the shiny new thing. <laughs> kind of frustrating, but that's what it is. Uh, Obi. Obi has a rookie teammate, Emmanuel Quickly, who's like one of the least efficient shooters in the league, but he's also like a walking bucket. Is uh, and also the Knicks—they're like they've been looking for a point guard for you know like a dozen years. Is Emmanuel Quickly the guy, or is he always going to be an off the bench you know scorer? Well, he's he started the last few games because Rose and Payton have been out, right? Is he one of the – I guess he's inefficient from two. He's a great shooter. Yeah. I'm curious now. Is he that inefficient? I guess well, – I, I, I know like field goal 
percentage is like below 40%. I, I didn't look up his efficient field well, goal or like, anything like that. I remember like he shoots mostly threes. So it's going to be his field right. goal percentage. Like I, I would say like field goal percentage, I don't hardly ever look at it anymore. I just look at three point yeah. percent, two point percentage. Cause you have to always keep that in mind. Cause two right. percentage is very really low. He takes a lot of like those weird floaters. I mean, I think quickly, quickly is a guy to me. He's made me kind of reevaluate things a bit. Cause I was not a big quickly guy. Cause I was like, well, he's six, three, not really a traditional point guard, just kind of a shooter. But when you're this good a shooter and you're this fast, and he's kind of the opposite of Toppin, where he really fits with the Knicks because they have all these big, you know, RJ Barrett, Julius Randle. Those guys are pretty good playmakers for their size. So you don't right. necessarily need a point guard to be a traditional playmaker. So it really, he really fits well with this Knicks team because he gives space for Randall and RJ to do their thing in the lane. And they let him kind of guard point guards without having to run the offense himself. So like, right, if quickly went somewhere, he was the traditional point guard, it probably wouldn't go that well because he's a bucket getter. You're right. But in New York, where he's asked to play off the ball, hunt threes, that works really, really well. And so, I mean, I think he's been great for them. It's really kind of balanced out the top and pick. Yeah. And at 25, it's like incredible value to find him where yeah, sure. pretty much no one, no, hardly anyone was looking for him. Is there any other rookies? I mean, so many of the rookies this year have just hardly played at all. Is there anyone else that's really popped in your, you know, from your perspective that most people aren't aren't thinking about or are going to be finding out about sometime soon? Let's see. Um, I'm a big Kira Lewis fan. I think he's done really well in New Orleans and limited minutes. I think eventually they'll move off Eric Bledsoe. I could see him start being their starting point guard for a long time. I think he fits really well. He's so fast and he's a really good shooter. He fits well with the rest of their pieces because he can play off the ball. I mean, I think he's better than quickly, but he just hasn't the same opportunities. Uh, Devin Vassell for the Spurs. He's your classic three and D wing. He's not the flashiest player, but I could see him having a pretty long career. Just six, seven, really good shooter, really smart player. And then there's a few. Oh, okay. The guy I think I think is really good is Jaden McDaniels, the other rookie for Minnesota. He's the guy who pressed me the most probably this rookie class among like the later round picks. He's got a chance to be a very special player, I think. What what do you what do you notice about his game? So I mean, one, he's a six foot ten wing, like he's legit six ten, and he can block. He reminds me of Jonathan Isaac. He's just six six nine yeah. six ten, elite athlete. He can make spot up threes. He can be he can fill a role in the offense, and then he can be like a top ten defender because he can guard one through four. I believe, I'm looking at the numbers, I think he blocks more shots per minute than any non-center in the NBA. So, like, he just really, like, he's like having an extra center on the floor who can shoot threes and guard all over the floor and protect the rim. I just think a player like that is so valuable given the way the league is going. He, to me, I think he's going to have a really long, successful career. Sweet. What about uh, Poku? I was oh, watching under game the other night and they were like they were getting like every opportunity to show poku highlights from the g league and i was like is it is this just like one of those oklahoma city things where they're all like you know they're like little league parents supporting their guys <laughs> does he have a future i know he's just like rail fit but poku is fascinating i mean he really he was horrible before he went to the bubble and he's come back in the last week or two and played better I still don't have a great feel for his game. He's a seven footer who's like a, he's like a seven foot two guard. Yeah. 
He's got a good looking shot. It doesn't go in all the time. But just a seven foot two guard, right, is inherently valuable if they can just stay on the floor. Oklahoma City's going to give him all the. He's just the ultimate boom bust guy. Like, there's a chance he could be a top five player from this draft. Or also, he could just never really ma- just pan out. Right. Just a unique player. There's not really many comparisons for him. The one I had in mind, do um, you remember Austin Day? I know the name. I don't remember anything about him, though. Yeah, so he was like a 6'11", two guard. But I think if he had played in this version of the NBA, he'd probably be better. But yeah. it's just really rare to see a guy that tall who can like be a two guard. And that's what Poku is, really. And so obviously that's very exciting. It's just a matter of he's going to have to fill out. He's going to have to score inside sometimes. I mean, it's hard to say. He's one I don't have a great, great feel for. He's fun to watch, though, because he'll his confidence is very high. It's it's nice for a guy like that to be on a team like the Thunder. Yeah, for sure. Where they do not care if they win right now. So I just talked the other day on my show. It's like, you know, if, if Houston sticks where they're at right now, there's like almost a coin flip chance that their pick conveys to OKC. And, and if they can have like two top seven picks and they already have like Shea and a bunch of other young talent, like that's a nice looking team going forward. But – I guess we'll have to see how the balls bounce uh, come lottery night. Uh, if you, let's say you had 10 shares. I'm talking sports cards now. Let's say you had 10 shares to divvy up between this rookie class and you are hitching your, let's say your your, your kid's college uh, education, like this is how you're investing for it. So we're looking for confidence levels here, basically. How are you, uh, how are you divvying that up between... Uh, so a lot of the players that we've talked about or any that we haven't talked about. I mean, if we're talking my kids' college fund, I don't know. Like, so like I could get 10 shares of LaMelo stock for the same price as 10 shares, anything. I'm at blowing LaMelo. Yeah. We're, I'm just, we're just pretending that they're all equal right now. They are not like LaMelo's this card right here. The first, I pulled this yesterday. The first one that of these, sold on eBay. Nice. it sold for like $300, like the very first card on eBay, mm. which, I missed the boat on that by like a couple months, but so it's not, but let's just pretend all things are equal. Where are you divvying it up? Let's okay. have you have five shares of Lamello. Okay. I'm going to get five Lamellos. So the other thing is, so like, like someone like Trevor Ariza, does he have value in the car? Cause he played 15 years in the league, been on a lot of really good teams, but obviously no defensive player, not very flashy. Does right. that have value in the card market? Or we, we want volume, big time star scores. Yeah, I would say there's there's niche value, but as far as like you, know, you got to think, there's about I don't know how many people are in the card in the card market, you know, like three million, and just like just like if you talk to a hundred NBA fans, probably like you know seventy five of them aren't going to really know much about what they're talking about or more. You know, that's kind of what goes on. Not anyone that listens to this show. Of course. We're the 25%. The certain tastes, obviously. Yeah. So, you know, there's a there's a huge, it's a huge market, and a lot of people are just chasing the most flashy object that they see. And and you see, like, I mean, honestly, I don't know if you saw it, but like Taylor Horton Tucker, when he had those couple, those couple preseason games, his cards shot up like 800% overnight. From the Lakers, I'm sure. So is that that's important too, then, like, the your profile? Is that what we're talking about here is, like, guys who can have a high profile? Yeah. So the team, the, the, the market you're on, the, the quality of, you know, the team around you. So like Trey young, 
he's he's kind of struggled in relation to like uh luca because his you know the hawks have been bad for the last two years you know compared to the mavericks uh you know it's like it's a holistic approach that's the way i look at it so you get five shares of Lamelo, which is great because high profile he's he's gonna remain in the spotlight you know because he has that star those intangible star attributes and he's also just an extremely good player Okay, then if we're talking about star, I think Anthony Edwards, I'd probably put, I would say then like if we're talking about star players, big scores, flashy personnel, Anthony Edwards for sure. Give me three of him. And then I would say one on Pukali, one on Kira Lewis. So I think the Pelicans are going to be one of the best teams in the league for a long time. Eventually right. you could be, if you have a big part of that. So yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll split it up that way. Sweet. All right. Five Lamello, three Edwards, one uh, Lewis. Who was the other one I, I missed? What you said? Was it? Quickly. Oh, quickly, quickly. Oh, I, I wonder if I should put something on Peyton Pritchard, being a Celtic and all that. <laughs> He's there, not bad. There is inherent value at, in the card market for being a Boston Celtic, that's for sure. But. Eight mile. Well, uh, thank you for uh, joining on today. Really, uh, again, I really appreciate it. Um, it's an honor to have you. Yeah, happy to be on. Uh, so this was uh, Jonathan Sharks again, everyone. He's uh, from The Ringer. You've probably read his stuff. If you haven't, go find him, uh, follow him on Twitter, and, and you'll see his articles as they drop. Uh, again, thank you for joining on, and, and uh, we'll see the rest of you next week.